This morning, we're starting a brand new series. We started Lent last week, but we're starting a new series this week titled The King Before the King. And Jesus is the King of Kings. He's the King we bow down to. He's the King who rules our lives. But there's a King that many referred to when they talked about Jesus before Jesus came. And this King is David. Jesus came from the line of David. Um, David was a, a man who was plucked out and chosen by God. And so this morning, the first scripture we're going to look at about David is the one where he was chosen by God. Chosen even though he was not the first choice by man. So our first scripture is 1 Samuel 16, verses 1 through 13. And the word says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Elab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him passed in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. These are the words of the Lord given to us. Let us all uh, bow together in prayer. Jesus, this morning, as, as we start to talk about your cho chosen one, David, and as we learn who he was, why you chose him, and why he preceded Jesus, let us model our devotion to you after this king, after David. He was a man who truly embodied the song that we just sang, the head to the heart, that everything in our life is devoted to you. So this morning, let us submit our lives and devote our lives fully to your reign, to your kingdom, and let us receive you 
as our king. Let us claim you and claim the name of Jesus above any other name. Because Jesus is the highest name. He is the Lord of lords. He is the king of kings. He's our king. And this morning, as we prepare our hearts to receive you and to receive the kingdom, we ask and we also pray over Pastor Mike as he gets ready to preach the powerful word that are yours. And as he delivers the gospel to all of us in this room who do so desperately need it each and every day, every second of the day. Prepare him, prepare our hearts. Jesus, we need you in this room. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. So glad you're here in worship today. If I haven't met you, I'm Pastor Mike Morgan, uh, uh, one of the pastors of the church here. A couple of things. Uh, one of you, one of this is just special for 1015. I didn't say this at the earlier service. Um, once a month, we do this at, after the 1015 service. So if you're available for five to six minutes after the 1015 service, one of the beautiful things we did when we built this uh, sanctuary and put 700 seats in it is we allowed them all to move. Uh, one of the downsides is they all move. So um, we reset them once a month. And if you've got a minute, we've got some measuring devices. It takes about four or five people a row. That way they don't all come unhooked. So uh, if 10 or 20 of you can stay after, we're usually done in about five minutes. So if you would stay after that. Two things I want to say to you as we, before we go to the sermon then. I just want to thank you on behalf of myself, the prayer ministry of this church, uh, and our, all of our staff. Every Monday morning, we're uh, given those yellow cards that you fill out your prayers on, and I uh, think it's just a wonderful privilege and opportunity for us to pray for your concerns, to speak into what is uh, celebratory in your heart or what is really uh, being difficult for you uh, in your lives. And so we appreciate that opportunity, and we'll continue to do that, and we hope that uh, you will continue. And, and thirdly, uh, as we go towards the, the sermon, remember, this is the second Sunday in the holy season of Lent. And it's a Catholic, uh, or it's, a, it's not just a Catholic thing, but a Christian thing during the holy season of Lent to do something to help you prepare for Easter. Usually that takes the form of a spiritual discipline. For instance, uh, giving up something. You've heard that expression of giving up something you really enjoy so that when you think of it, when, it, when you crave it, uh, you're reminded of the sacrifice Christ made for you. Or, and many people do this, adding something, a spiritual discipline, whether that be reading something, praying about something every single day, so that you might draw yourself closer to Christ. But I encourage you, if you haven't done that yet, uh, it's not too late. Uh, Easter's not until the end of April, so uh, I encourage you, you know, even during this day, uh, to go home and, and think about what it is that I can do to draw myself closer to Christ during this holy season. This morning... Um, well, first of all, all you on Facebook right now, click like. So I love to see it when those little hearts fly across the screen. But um, before we, uh, at the sermon today is actually a biblical teaching, as which is what we do here at Marion Methodist, but a little bit more straight Bible teaching than sermonating maybe, maybe today. Because what we want to do as we begin this sermon series uh, of the King Before the King is, is help you understand the background, get really clear uh, about where we're going. One of my seminary professors used to say this. He says about the Bible, the consistent persistency of the Bible is it keeps telling you. It keeps telling you exactly what is necessary in your life. I love that sentence. The consistent persistency of the Bible, it keeps telling you 
what is necessary. And what is necessary of people is to see and follow God's way. To, to find God's way as it's laid out for us in the scriptures and follow it. It keeps telling us that. And it keeps telling us that God will intervene and how God will intervene. It, it tells us that when we estrange ourselves from God, and we do that by our own volition, that God will intervene. God will insert God's self into the human story and lead us back if we choose to be led back from our estrangement to God's holy way and God's righteous way for living day by day. So the holy season of Lent that we're in the midst of beginning now is the precursor to understanding God's insertion of himself. That is the incarnation, God in the person of Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about the king before the king and study two kings. So let's peek at the first one first. Uh, David, the king of Israel, let, let's peek at him first. You know David. You know, you've heard the stories of David. David's the one that picked up a rock and slung it into the head of Goliath, the, the, of Gath. And then, this is the part we usually don't sing a lot, a lot of songs of in our children's ministry. Not only did he penetrate the skull with that rock of, of Goliath of Gath, then he took Goliath's sword that he could hardly hold up and lopped his head off. You know David. You know David. He became a great warrior for Saul, for Saul the king. He, he led all of Saul's armies of Israel, and they never lost. When David was leading there, you know, David, he brought the Ark of the Covenant back. It wasn't Indiana Jones. It was David, the king. <laughs> David, the king, brought the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. And kind of like, you know, those of you that are wearing green, doing a little Irish jig, David does a little dance in front of the Ark. His, his wife, Michael, wasn't a big appreciator of, of that. But David was dancing in God's glory. You know, David. You've probably seen the movie or read a little bit about the Bathsheba incident, right? You, you know David. You, you know David because we just a few months ago on Christmas Eve re read the story where it says, Today in the city of is a Savior born, Christ the Lord. You know David. He's the boy who becomes king, the second king following only Saul of Israel. But he is a king with a small K, a small case K. You know David. He points to the king that's going to have a capital K. And he's our focus. So let's focus a little bit on Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You know Jesus. You know that there were hundreds of prophecies of Jesus coming before he was even born, and he fulfilled every single one of them in the scriptures. You know Jesus. Of him it's said that he is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. You know Jesus. His very name, Jesus, means the Lord saves. It says to, that he's, Joseph is told, name your son Jesus because he will save people from their sins. And the very, his very name means the Lord saves. You can check this out in Matthew, 21, Matthew 1. I'm not making this up. And then in the next sentence it says, and you are to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So his title means God is present with us, and his very name means the Lord saves. You know Jesus. Both Jesus and David were anointed for kingship long before their coronation. David by Samuel in Jesse, his dad's home. 
right there in Bethlehem. He, he was just a kid, anointed king. You know, probably like 15, 16 years old, he's anointed king. Do you know how much car insurance costs for these people? And he's anointed king. We'll come back to that. Not the car insurance. Jesus is anointed king before his very birth, before Jesus even arrives in Bethlehem. He's anointed king. Both David and Jesus, born in Bethlehem, both died in Jerusalem. Both were loved, were rejected, and were betrayed by their own people. Their own people loved them, rejected them. I mean, <coughs> David was the favorite. He was the rock star of his ages. He was the conquering hero. And as soon as he becomes king, the coup attempts begin. He had friends that weren't friends. You know, David had friends that behind his back were reaching from a knife. Jesus was the favorite of all of Israel. Thousands came to get baptized by John the Baptist, but when Jesus came by, John said, he's got to increase and I've got to decrease. And think about how much of a favorite you'd be if you were able to feed thousands of people at one time. Think about the kind of favoritism that Jesus was getting from, from the masses when he healed the infirmities. People that were limping were able to make walk. People that were blind were able to see. People that couldn't hear a single thing were, were given the sounds of melodies and the beauty of the wind. Jesus was well-received because he was speaking to people's hearts. They were coming to him in mass. But he was rejected by the people, too. The religious leaders would have him not. And look at his buddies. He traveled, Peter traveled around with him for three years. And at one time, Jesus had to call him Satan because he didn't get it. And another night, three times, Peter said, Jesus never knew him. And look at his buddy, Judas, another one of the 12. Spent three years with Jesus. Sold him out for a few bucks. Rejected, betrayed by their own people. And they reigned. Both David and Jesus reigned in spite of rejection and rebellion. There was never a time where both of them weren't being rejected, and there was never a time when they both weren't bo being re rebelled against. And they were both, David and Jesus, misrepresented by others, people that should have been close to him. David's misrepresented by his own son, Absalom. I mean, you know, I, I get that sometimes the monarchy becomes a family business, but Absalom was trying to wedge his way in, in place sooner than David would go. His own son, David's own son, was lying about what David was doing as part of a coup. And look at Jesus, the Sanhedrin. I mean, here Jesus comes to fulfill the law, the very laws of the Jews, what we would call the Old Testament. And the Sanhedrin were the keeper, the, pure, the, procurator, the, the, the curators of that law, and yet they rejected him, and they pushed him away, and they lied about him, and they convinced the crowds to lie about him. These were supposed to be the good guys, but they misrepresented Jesus all over the place. And both David and Jesus wept on the Mount of Olives over the tragedies taking place in Jerusalem 
David's heart was with his people. He wanted his people to, to go the way the Lord would want him, but he wept for their shortcomings. Jesus weeps over the people that are seeking to overthrow God's rule in the world. God had, had inserted him to help Jerusalem know which way to turn, and they missed it completely. They missed his point. And both Jesus and David defeated their enemies. David was the huge warrior king. Everyone he went into battle against, he prevailed against. And Christ Jesus himself prevailed against humanity's two biggest foes. He beat sin away from himself and gave, him, gave us the opportunity to reduce and relent from sins. And that one foe that is undefeated against humankind, death, Jesus walked straight into it, took the beatings, took death straight on the cross, went into the grave, and then was resurrected from the grave to show that if we affiliate with him, if we allow him to be our king, that foe that stands against all of us, he is able to defeat for us as well. Both were anointed king before they could become king. We call this the provenient appointment. Now, provenience is a word that you probably don't likely say in your normal work uh, every single day. But provenient means coming before its order. It means things happen before they're supposed to happen, or they are in an order differently than you might <coughs> expect. David is the coming king. He's the king that's going to come. He couldn't be king while there was another king, you see. He was anointed in his adolescence. He couldn't be king while Saul was still sitting on the throne. There's only room for, for one person on the thro throne. And so the story is that, that, that Samuel is sent to Jesse's house because the Lord tells him, this is what Kelsey read a few moments ago, the Lord tells him that in David's house is the one that's going to be the king. And Jesse trots all of his sons in front of Samuel, and the Lord keeps telling Samuel, not that one, not that one. And so all the kids come by, and Jesse, uh, or Samuel says to Jesse, is this all the kids you have? He says, no, there's the boy. He's out watching the sheep. He says, bring the boy. And you love how truthful Scripture is. It says he's short and young. Handsome, but short and young. But Samuel knows he's the one. So he anointed him. He anointed him knowing that if Saul found out, he'd want to kill him because there's one too many kings. Now, this was before David had done anything, before he picked up that rounded rock and flung it at, at Goliath. It, it, Goliath's still around, still walking around Gath, saying how wonderful he is. And David's popularity then, as soon as he's anointed, almost the next thing he does is kill Goliath, and then he starts becoming successful as a warrior king, and Saul the king started hunting him down. He chased him all over creation trying to kill him. And David waited patiently because his moment had not yet come to be king. And the people weren't ready for David to be king. In his anointment, he was too young, too short, too inexperienced. He wasn't quite ready for all that. And Israel knew what we all know, that sometimes cult heroes don't make the best kings. But still, this anointment of David is going to be unstoppable. Like David, Jesus is the coming king. He's the coming king. As soon as he's born, do you remember this story? 
We, we told you what his name was and what his titles was, but as soon as he's born, Herod gets word that another king has been born in his own land. And Herod says what? Find him, kill him. There's only room for one king here. So to make sure, let's kill all the little boys under two years of age. Find them, kill them. Not quite time yet. We know the what's coming in later in Lent is this, what we call the Palm Sunday Parade. In reality, it was probably 30 or 50 people walking from the Mount of Olives down through the Kidron Valley, up through the, the Easter Gate uh, to the temple in Jerusalem where Jesus is coronated. He's, he's proclaimed Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna is the son uh, of David. But people aren't ready for him to be king. So before those palm branches even die out, they're screaming out, crucify him, crucify him. So this is where the rubber of the road uh, of this biblical teaching hits, hits the road of your life. Are you ready for Christ to be your king? It's really a simple question. Our lives need a king. I have found through the living of my life that my way leads to chaos and separation from God. I have a lot of good ideas, but they tend to, when I play them out to their nth degree, take me away from God, not towards God. When I try to be my own king, when I try to pick up a crown and wear it on my own, that's where I end up. I suspect you being people have roads not so dissimilar to mine. Look what Solomon says in Proverbs. There is a path that may seem straight to someone, but in the, path, but in the end, it leads to death. And what that means is that it goes away from where you need to go. Now, now maybe in your search you've tried everything. Maybe you say, listen, in the, in the writing of my life, I have tried, in quotes, everything. I've tried to be a good person. I've, I've done good works. I, you know, I helped build a ramp for somebody that had need, needed a ramp. I, I, I serve on local rotary. I, I do good things for kids, all those kind of things. And still there is this within me that seems desert-like. But I've done everything. I've tried being spiritual. I mean, I pray, and I, I don't necessarily want to be religious, but I know that there's something out there. Maybe I call them the, 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 the good man upstairs or the lady upstairs. I, I'm spiritual, and I, but I still don't feel, you know, led. I've read all the philosophy. I took philosophy 401 in college, for goodness sake. I've been morally sound. I never hurt anyone. I don't even cuss. I don't even yell at the lady in the grocery store that's taking forever with her coupon. I go to religious stuff. I went to, you know, Jars of Clay concert. But our paths, though they seem straight, they lead us straight away. And our, and our paths seem like we're feeling far from God on our own devices. And out there on our own, we cannot become whole. And not only can't we become whole, we're simply not becoming whole. Our life needs a king. We all need a ruler, a majestic ruler in our life, and only Jesus will do. So I don't hesitate this morning, come to you simply saying this, receive Christ as your king. 
receive our king. It's a personal choice. You know, most people that live in a monarchy don't get a choice as to who their king is. But we live in an eternal monarchy, and we get to choose who our king is. It'll either be ourselves, or it'll be Christ. And I would say to you, let this king rule in your life. In Revelation 3, the Lord Jesus himself says, here I am. That's really close. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. I don't know if you've ever looked at this piece of artwork that's right outside this door over there, but it's a picture of Jesus, hand raised, to knock on the door. It explains this passage because here's Jesus' hand raised, ready to knock on the door, and if you look at the door, no handle on the outside. The door has got to be opened by the person on the inside. Behold, I stand at your door and knock. For some of you, it is an incessant banging because Jesus has been trying to get a hold of you for a long time. And others of you, just a simple knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, says Jesus, I will come in, I will eat with that person, and they will me. He will not barge into the door. Understand this. This is the one that on the cross is said of, he could have called 10,000 angels. I think he can make it through the door. He is the only one that created his own mother. I think he can make it through the door. He's the only one that simply said to a stone, roll away, and it rolled. I think he can get through a door. He's shown that he has and can. But he's not going to barge through the door of your life. He simply will not. This is your most important choice is to discern who's going to be your king. To decide whether you're going to receive Jesus Christ as your king or not. And the thing about Christ is he will come at opportune moments. You'll hear the knock when you need to hear the knock. You know, it's said of Satan in the wilderness that he is going to provide persistent opportunities for us to walk away. It says in the wilderness after Jesus defeats the temptations, quoting Satan himself, scriptures, that Satan leaves until an opportune time, which is to say until Jesus' heart gets a little weak again and Satan's going to try to, to slip his way in there, to wedge himself into Jesus' life. But he cannot. But Christ comes at an opportune time for you too, and I will tell you it's always an opportune time. There's always an opportune time for you to walk away from God, but there's also this persistent opportunity that is tapping on the door of your heart, persistently inviting you to open the door and walk towards him and allow him to walk towards you. This is the Christian truth, and, and, and the church is the opportunity that that says to you, receive him as king. I don't know what kind of a pastor would walk through Lent without saying, receive your king. Because if you take opportunity to receive him as your king, then you can enjoy life with your king. See, our king doesn't come to rule over and keep us down like a subject to, to suppress us and hold us down and, and, and in the horrible way of saying this, lord over us to keep us in, in accountability and all that sort of thing. What he comes is to come in and rule us in such a way that we want to live on his path, that we're filled by living on his path. This is why he himself says to us in, in John chapter 1, yet to all who receive him, 
to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. That is a loving king, a caring king. Now, you might say, or you might not, I've heard that knocking. I've felt for a long time that something is lacking in my life, that I need something more and I need someone more than who I have right now. Because right now, I'm leading a life that's being led by me and me alone. And there is this void. There is this difficulty. There is this desert, a wilderness within my soul. And I just came by to tell you this morning that you don't have to live there. There is a king who will make your life full. You may not have every asset you want. You may not even be surrounded by all the people you want. But you will have a king that's dependable, reliable, and loving. And while there's thousands of pages of theology written about him and how you can receive him as king, while we've got storerooms of books down there in our education building, while we have five or six classes going on several days and several nights a week to help you become a better subject of this king, it really starts by you taking him on as your king. He's already anointed to do so. And I could make it very complicated, but I don't believe it is. It hasn't been in my life. It's about choice. You make a couple simple choices. The first is to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the King of the world, the King of all things, from eternal to eternal. You believe that He is the Lord of lords and there is no other like Him. He has no peer, He has no equal, and there never will be one created. He is the only uncreated in all of the universe, and He is worthy to be your King. And if you believe that, then you're ready to receive the forgiveness that only He alone can offer you. You're ready to receive the fact that each and every day, beginning with today, he can wipe all the sin of the stain of sin out of your life. That by his blood on the cross, a miraculous thing, blood makes you clean. That's not the way it works in the world, right? Blood stains, but his blood makes us clean. If you're willing to believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord, he will you will receive the forgiveness and you can receive the Holy Spirit to indwell in your life and live with him forever. And then simply Seek to become with the rest of your life the one that he would have you be. It's easy to say, believe, receive, become. It's easy to say, take Christ on in your kingdom as your king and to live the rest of your life in your kingdom, his kingdom. But we've proven it's pretty hard to do. And this I know. Some of you came just because you're tired of being cooped up all winter this morning. Some of you came because you just couldn't afford to go to Florida on spring break. Some of you came because you knew our music was going to rock it. And a few of you came knowing that, you know, today I need an invitation. I need an invitation to something that's beyond me. I need something to move in my spirit. I came with my heart's open. My ears ready to receive something. And so if this is for you, I want to speak it right into your spirit. Jesus Christ desires you to live in his kingdom. It, it says in John chapter 10, I have come that they may have life and live it to the full. 
So the question that I ask with consistent persistency is simply, is today your day? Is today your day? Is today the day you say, all right, as a king, I am terrible at it. My kingdom is in shambles. The buildings of my household are in ruins. I need to yield kingship to another. If today's your day to say, Christ, I choose you as your king, I want to just simply offer that opportunity to you. It's there every day. It's there this afternoon when you're not here. It's there tomorrow when you're on your way. But I, but I, I think sometimes in the Christian church we don't offer this enough. But you get to choose the king of your life. And so I simply say choose wisely. So I'm going to take one minute, maybe less, maybe more. And I'm going to say a prayer. And if it's not for you, then I just ask you to be quiet and wait. And we'll take an offering in just a second. But there's one or two or 12 of you that say, I need that invitation. I need something to change right now. So let me quit talking about it and get right to it. Will you pray with me? Lord God, you know that everyone here doesn't need this, but there are a handful of us that do. So speak to them right now, Lord. Use the voice of pastor that has a microphone wrapped to him to simply say this. Choose now. Don't be abated. Don't be stopped. Don't worry about your assets and your problems. If you desire Jesus Christ to be the king of your life, choose him now. Don't wait. Plenty of time. Worship's not over. Think about it. And if you're ready to choose Jesus as your Savior, as the King of your your life, then in your heart, words like these should be. Dear Jesus, I need a king. Thank you for picking up the crown and leading and managing my life. Forgive me for my sins and please fill me with the Holy Spirit for I desire to serve you. I pick you as my king. I need no other. Lord God, that is my prayer today. For all of you that needed that, I'm grateful for all of those that have been giving Christ kingship over their lives. I hope your prayers of celebration are going on right now. And we pray these things, we say all these things in the name of the one Lord, Jesus Christ, who comes to serve as the one and only king we ever need. In his name we come, his name we pray. Amen. Now, friends, we, uh, uh, if you're a visitor, I don't want you to be encumbered by all this, but at Marion Methodist, we love to take uh, offerings every week. We, we have people that come. They call them ushers. They come with, ba- uh, with baskets, and you can throw, you know, coins, bills, your credit card in there. Um, we'll take it from there. Um, but we love to give gifts that represent us, so we do take an offering every week, and so that's enough preface to that. Uh, give gifts that represent yourself to God. Ushers, will you help us out?